0: Welcome to OOD Works, the podcast, a show about unique individuals and the services provided by Opportunities for Ohioans with Disabilities, the state agency that helps individuals with disabilities find a job and be more independent. Here's your host, Kim Jump.
1: In this episode of OOD Works podcast, my colleague Fern Mealy, Constituent Communications Manager, sits down with Dr. Bill Darling, Director of Assistive Technology of Ohio, College of Engineering, at The Ohio State University. With June 2020 marking the 100th anniversary of the Vocational Rehabilitation Program, as well as the 50th anniversary of opportunities for Ohioans with disabilities, it's a great time to look back on important historical events. This episode shines light on Simeon Fess, an Ohioan unfamiliar to many, but Simeon was an important figure in the Vocational Rehabilitation Program during his service as a U.S. congressman. Bill shares how he learned about the Smith-Fess Act while studying for his master's degree in rehabilitation counseling from Southern Illinois University. Bill's wife Jill is from Greene County, and both sets of her grandparents lived in Yellow Springs. One day, while at the Glen Forest Cemetery visiting some family grave sites, Bill came upon an impressive gravestone for a statesman and politician named Fess. He learned it was the same Fess from the Smith Fess Act, and Bill took it upon himself to study Fess's life, the role he had in vocational rehabilitation, and the impact he had on people with disabilities. And with that, I'll turn it over to Fern and Bill.
2: My name is Bill Darling, and I am the Director of Assistive Technology of Ohio at Ohio State University.
0: that is wonderful. Thank you, Bill Darling. Um, I'm so excited that we could do this today um, in honor of the 100th anniversary of vocational rehabilitation in the United States and OOD's 50th anniversary. Can you tell us, who is Simeon Fess?
2: Well, Simeon Fess uh, was an an Ohio educator and a statesman, a politician, He was, he was born in 1861, was born a long time ago. Um, He was born in a little town called Herod, Ohio, uh, which is in Allen County, not far from Lima. And, you know, he just, he was educated locally in country schools and things like that. He went to um, Ohio Northern University, as it's called now, um, which was just another 10 miles down the road for him. And I think he went part-time and, um. Ended up graduating from college when he was about 27, 28 years old and immediately started working for Ohio Northern um, and worked for them for a long time. He started taking, uh, after he graduated from college there, he went to the law school uh, gradually and became, eventually graduated from Ohio Northern University Law School. But he was also a, uh, an administrator there. He eventually became the dean of the law school at Ohio Northern and the vice president of the university. Um, so one of the things that he has in common with our current governors, they're both graduates of, of the law school at Ohio Northern University. Okay. Um, but Simeon Fess eventually went to Chicago. Uh, he, he worked at the University of Chicago, very prestigious university there. And then he, uh, in 1902, 1907, I believe, came back and was named the president of Antioch College in Yellow Springs. So... Um, and so it was a very interesting life he he um was the president of Antioch for ten years somewhere in the middle of that ten year tenure he decided to run for congress um as, as a republican and he was elected to congress and i don't i don't know how this worked exactly but for five years he uh he was in Congress while he remained the president of antioch college um i don't i don't think that could I don't really think that could work today, but I think a lot of colleges would love to have their president be a member of Congress. It might help solve some of their financial issues, but um, but he did that and then served 10 years in the House in the state of Ohio and then eventually ran for the U.S. Senate and served two terms in the U.S. Senate. So he had a, a, had a very interesting life in education and politics, and uh, it's just kind of very interesting how it all, all came to be. I'm sure that's probably not the life he envisioned when he was growing up on, you know, in the farms and inherited. So, um, so he had, a, yeah, he had a very, very interesting go of it and ended up doing some very prestigious things.
0: What role did he play in bringing vocational rehabilitation into existence for people with disabilities?
2: Well, it's an interesting thing. You know, um, he was the, the, uh, the author of very important you know the, the the Smith-Fess Act of 1920, but before that, I mean, they had a. Um, he you know he did not invent the concept of vocational rehabilitation. That the country had a long-standing tradition of trying to do right by soldiers, people that were fighting in the wars. Um, I think one of the very first American pieces of legislation was uh, the Continental Congress passed a law to provide pensions for widows of soldiers that were killed in the Revolutionary War. I mean, it's something they've always been interested in. And so when we knew we were going to World War I um, and that, that, that there was an acknowledgement there and, and Simeon Fest didn't, wasn't part of this legislation, at least on a sponsorship level, but they had laws in place. They put laws in place to acknowledge the fact that people were going to be coming back from World War I. Um, As different people, they were going to be coming back as people with disabilities, uh, missing limbs, blind, things like that in wheelchairs, you know, and then they deserved, they deserved um, our investment, they deserved a chance to, they're not going to be able to go back to the farms, or to the, uh, the factories, but they still had, you know, fought for their country. And so the government felt it was a worthy investment to try to get them different skills, something that they could go on and have a productive life. What Simeon Fess deserves the credit for is that he saw a broader picture and that that this was a wonderful concept, but the injured soldiers, disabled veterans are not the only people that could benefit from this mindset and this type of idea because they're not the only people that are facing physical challenges. The world was completely different. The world of work was different back then. You know, he was elected to Congress in 1912, I believe. And anyone who's ever read You've ever read The Jungle by Upton Sinclair, which was written about five years before that? You know what a scary place the world of work could be. I think that was the meatpacking industry that, that the author was, was highlighting, but it was a place where you could get significantly injured, great and grievously injured. And back then, there were almost no protections in place for injured workers. They would just, you know, if you couldn't do it, they'd get rid of you and hire somebody else. So there were a lot of people in America that were that were in that same position that disabled soldiers, disabled veterans were coming back in. And they needed the same kind of services and they had the same right to 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 seek a dignified life, to have to have a trade, to be able to earn a living and provide for themselves. So <clears throat> Simeon Fest was really the one that that looked at the broader picture and said, you know, that that, that this, this, I, I like this idea for a system. I like the the, the ability to reach out and help these people. And to have it end with a job, I mean that—that that is, you know, the dignity of a job is incredibly important. And so he really, with this, with in partnership with uh, his, his uh, partner in the Senate, which was Hoax Hoke Smith from Georgia, they passed a bill that uh, at least hoped to establish a, a, a nationwide system of providing specific vocational training, skill development, job search, all the things that they do, but at a wider for a wider group of people. The initial target was were people that got hurt on the job primarily, but it was also widened out to include anyone for whatever reason that they were they found themselves in that situation. There would be a program hopefully in place for them to try to better their life. I don't think that Simeon Fest could have ever known what the system would become um, or how many millions of people would be affected by it. But that was the that was the that was the thinking that he had back then to to try to reach people who. You know, it, it is for the betterment of everyone, including them, if they, if they if they learned a skill and went out and got a job and be able to have a productive life.
0: That's wonderful. Can you also tell us um, what, like, since that time, since that, since the Smith-Bess Act was passed, what are some of the other developments over the years that have made accessibility in vocational rehab what they are today?
2: Well, I mean, obviously, you, you can start with the Americans with Disabilities Act, which I'll get to in, in, in a minute. But, you know, the world of work changed in America. Um, when, when Simeon Fest was envisioning a vocational rehabilitation system, workers' compensation was not a universal concept yet. A handful of states had workers' comp laws and insurance and things like that. And it wasn't until, I think, 1949 or 1950 in which every state had workers comp, which is incredibly important in this little world because wor- workers comp provided you had to pay injured workers a salary when they got hurt. You mm-hmm. had to cover their medical costs when they were uh, they were related to the injury. And then you had to pay somebody to come in and do the job that they were not able to do at that time. And employers started to figure out that this isn't really good business to have to have injuries. So the workers compensation, compensation system played a big role in making the world of work a little bit safer. And people's uh, employers started to see the benefits of having a safer workplace, which kind of changed who the system was for. They had started reaching out through the decades to to people you would consider more traditional people with disabilities, maybe somebody that's never had a job. Um, the, The system at that point had been focused on returning people to employment following an injury or an illness. But then they started really reaching out to people and applying those same policies, that same viewpoint of dignity, of the dignity of work to, to uh, a, a section of our population that was often overlooked and not, not believed in, and that is, that is just Americans with disabilities. And so the system itself, just by necessity, kept reaching out to a wider range of people that fit the category. And eventually, um, you know, it, it became a system that was primarily for people that you would consider classically people with disabilities. And there were obviously a lot of incredibly important changes. The most important for this discussion would be the vocational rehabilitation act of 1973, which is what set up the state federal vocational system that we know today. And if you look at the, um, I think the first language, the first sentence of that bill is that it, it repeals and replaces the, what was known as the civilian vocational rehabilitation act, which is the Smith bess act. So there's a direct line um, from that from that bill and that program that evolved through the years to they decided they needed a new law and that rehab act included a lot of things beyond just the state federal just anti-discrimination against people with disabilities and just a lot of important you know uh, important things that that help change the lives you know moving on to the americans with disabilities act which is probably you know it's considered the, the civil rights act for people with disabilities just an incredible incredibly important thing that that allowed people with disabilities the, 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 the ability to move through society, you know, to, to be able to go where they want and live where they want. And so that, that was an, inc- you know, an incredible acknowledgement by the government that these are citizens, that they should be afforded the same rights as other Americans and have the same opportunities as other Americans. But really, I think in none of those, I don't think that the Americans with Disabilities Act comes into play without, the civilian vocational rehabilitation act without the rehabilitation act of 1973 showing that this is, you know, these are people worthy of the investment. They have something to offer. Um, and, and the world of work is better for their, for their participating in it. it. And so, you know, I love this program. I love the state federal program. I, I love the idea of, of just, of just employment, you know, having something productive to do with your time and your life, making an impact that way. So incredibly important. Um, and, and one of the things that's kind of uh, s- sad in a way is I, I don't think Simeon, you know, when Simeon Fest passed away, he served two years in the Senate, uh, two terms in the Senate, 12 years. He, his Senate career ended in 1935 and he died in 1936. His gravestone says a lot of wonderful things about Simeon Fest. It doesn't mention, you know, th- this, um, it doesn't mention vocational rehabilitation of soldiers or injured workers or people with disabilities. And I think. Now, in, in, through the lens of history, that's an oversight. The impact that he had on millions of Americans with disabilities needs to be acknowledged um, and because this is such a wonderful program. And, um, you know, I, I think it would be great. And I think his family would probably be honored to know and have it officially recognized the impact that he had on the lives of so many people. You know, maybe he couldn't even have, have envisioned it at the time. But it was, but it is a truly amazing program that probably would have never come into being without his vision for trying to pr- provide a better life for people, uh, for Americans with disabilities.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. Can you tell us, um, in closing, can you tell us a little bit about the work that you're doing at Assistive Technology of Ohio that's changing the future for people with disabilities? We're a hundred years after that initial act.
2: Before I get to that, I'd like to mention just a couple more things. Okay. Um, a little shadow for our governor. I mean, that that the fact that they both went to Ohio Northern is not the only, the, is not the only uh, thing that they had in common. Um, they they're both from Yellow Springs in a sense. I mean, uh, the uh, Senator Fess was not born in Yellow Springs, but but Mike Dewine grew up in in Yellow Springs. Um, Mike DeWine's grandfather was a professor at Antioch College. And his grandparents on his mother's side are are buried at the Glen Forest Cemetery, not far from Simeon Fess. And that um, Simeon Fess's grave is literally right across the street from the house that Mike DeWine grew up in. And um, the other thing that's interesting about it is that when when Governor DeWine was Senator DeWine in, in, in 1998, federal programs go through a lot something called a reauthorization you mm-hmm. look you look at it every four or five or six years whatever the law calls for to try to you know take take the status of the law and how we do it and how can we make it better in 1998 that that uh, job was given to a, a you know a young senator from Ohio named Mike DeWine so he was the uh, he was the chair of the subcommittee that was responsible for this legislation and this wonderful program and he did a great job in 1998. Of, of of bringing everyone together to talk about this law. How can we make it better? He had hearings in Washington. <clears throat> he had hearings in Columbus. He brought, it, he brought the show on the road. and got a lot of, you know, he, I think he was the legislator of the year for CSAVR for the tremendous job that he did. And it's just kind of an incredible, you know, the, the idea that there are two U.S. senators from Yellow Springs, Ohio is is amazing. If you know Yellow Springs, the fact that they're both Republicans is statistically very unlikely. But the, the i but the, also the fact that Mike Dewine had a role in in you know in, in strengthening and making better this law this idea that Simeon Fess, who was buried across the street, started in 1920, is kind of a neat way to come full circle for those for those two guys. And I think that you know Ohio has played an incredibly important role in in um, you don't get any more important than. Uh, the guy that wrote the law and the guy that made, you know, helped make the law better. Um, so I, I think that Ohio should be very proud of the role that they played in the vocational rehabilitation of, of Americans with disabilities. So just wanted to get that out there um, because it, it's a neat story and the tie that there's something our state should be very proud of. But our agency at Ohio state is, is a uh, assistive technology of Ohio is a program in the college of engineering. It is an example, I think, burn of, of, you know, the, the law was passed originally in 19, um, I guess, 1988, and it was called something completely different the, the Ohio. I mean, it was called the Technology-Related Assistance Individuals with Disabilities Act. And at the time, as with most federal programs, people thought, you know, well, yes, technology is important for people with disabilities, and Congress is about 10 years late to get on that train. But I don't think they had any idea at the time how prescient Congress was in passing this bill. Because technology took off and technology for people with disabilities took off. And we actually had a system in place to acknowledge that, to go out and try to educate professionals in the field, people with disabilities, their family members, on the ways that technology can improve the lives of, of Americans with disabilities. Um, so, we, you know, we have a, a wonder. it's just a wonderful program, mostly based, it's all focused on the types of technology that people can, can um can use to, to improve their lives. Um, and it can be for anything. It really, it, it's, it can be for people that want to go to school, people that want to obtain and maintain employment, or just want to have a more independent interconnected life. Um, and I think one of the, th- the things the pandemic has shown us is that the need for technology with disabilities, uh, it didn't get less important. It, it got more important. Um,
1: mm-hmm.
2: because, now, you know, you see how you can participate in ways if you can't be there. If there's a physical challenge, such as now the rules, you can't travel around, you can't be with people, but there's still ways that you can get the work done. Um, you know, technology is, is, technology, assistive technology is all technology focused on acknowledging some of the shortcomings that people with disabilities have, working around them or, ta- or supplanting them, and, and just really is, is an amazing way to level the playing field. And give the, it furthers their their opportunities and gives them a chance to to be able to participate fully, to go to school, to use a computer, to be able to do the kinds of things in employment that everyone else does. And so, it's an incredibly important program. They exist in every state, and and we we look at, at ourselves as a complement to wonderful programs like like OOD, um because. Technology, if they're going to succeed, if people with disabilities or islands with disabilities are going to succeed, technology is going to play a part of that. If they're going to work, they're, they're going to have to be technologically savvy like everyone else is. And so that's that's what excites us, really. I'm the director of the agency and I, I'm a trained rehabilitation counselor. Fate the fates would have it that I would never work for OOD, but <laughs> but I love the work that I do and I, I am especially I'm especially happy when we can we, we can work with other agencies that are focused on employment. It is so important. And to use this to use these technologies to help people either get a job or keep their job is life changing and in a very fulfilling way to 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 spend your professional career. So, um, you know, we love the work that we do and and we're big fans of OOD and, and the amazing work that's done by rehabilitation counselors all of, all over the country. And so, you know, we, we think we're important, but we're just part of the, of the piece. And we hope that people would know about us, uh, rehab counselors would know about us and use us and use us as a way to bring in the types of technologies that can really improve their clients' lives.
0: Well, we are really glad that you are there and doing what you do and that you're our partner. So thank, thank you today for sharing this um, historical piece. In honor of uh, the anniversary of vocational rehab and our own birthday here at OOD, and um, we look forward uh, to working with you uh, as we go on here into the future.
2: Well, happy birthday, Fern, to OOD, and and I appreciate it very much. Uh, We really do enjoy this, and and, uh, look look to work with OOD very closely from here on out. I mean, just we we just we think they're a wonderful partner, and we love to be able to help them in the important mission that they have.
1: A transcript of today's episode is available at ood.ohio.gov forward slash podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a rating and review. We're on social media at Ohio OOD. Do you have a disability? Do you want a job? We can help. OODworks.com.